the, the last Sunday in February, right? Is that correct? Wow. Okay. You know, there are two uh, misconceptions, I think, that we find in religion. The first has to do with what sin is. I think if you ask most people, you know, you go out on the street and you say, what is sin? People will tell you, well, uh, sin is doing bad things. That's what sin is. And we're not supposed to sin. We're supposed to do good things instead of bad things. We ought not to sin. The second is related to it. It has to do with what heaven is all about. I think if you were to go out and conduct a man on the street interview and said, what is, you know, what is heaven all about? Uh, they would say, well, heaven is the reward for doing good, or at least it's the reward for not doing bad. And heaven a lot of times by people is conceived as a kind of a, a, a celestial Disney world where you go and it's delightful and there are no cares and all your needs are met. But essentially, uh, heaven is a place, as it's popularly conceived, it's a place that's really all about you. And, and both those things are not quite exactly right. And take sin, for example. Certainly, bad acts like murder, stealing, lying, cheating, those things are certainly sins. But where do they come from? They, they spring from the idea, as I carry things out like that, as you do things like that, that I am autonomous, unaccountable, independent from God. And it's only if you understand sin primarily as that condition of alienation and independence from God, are you going to be able to understand why the Bible teaches that even our good works, even our righteous deeds, can't make us right with God. Fact can be called sinful. See, it's only if we understand that that we could understand how Jesus could say that your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees to enter the kingdom of heaven. The Pharisees, who had the reputation of being the most careful, the most holy, the most righteous, the most zealous to do what was good and right and to avoid evil. Because we were created for fellowship with God, for dependence upon God. And when we do evil things, or when we do formally good things for reasons other than the reason we were created, we're sinning. And, and, that, and that leads to the second issue, that of heaven. Because heaven, you know, as I said, that you talk to people and you ask, what is heaven about? And they envision it. They'll say, well, it's a place that... But heaven is not a place, or at least not primarily a place. It's about a person. It's about the God who is the Lord and giver of life and the source of everything that's good, the one for whom you were created. 
Heaven is about having our restless hearts finally quieted and put to rest because we've attained what we were created for. Not merely a place, but God himself. Heaven is a place that's all about God. And heaven is where we finally shed the last vestige of any notion of autonomy or independence that is the last notion of sin. And at last, experience the joy of becoming what we were meant to be. And so to put it simply, to attain heaven or even to want what heaven really is, we need to do something that's impossible for us. We have to be freed from our desire for freedom and independence. And we have to embrace what, or better, who we were created for. The problem is, I can't do that. And neither can you. And that's why Jesus came. I'm going to read today from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God? Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Father, we come to you today in prayer through Jesus. Father, we pray that you would uh, enlighten our understanding. Help us to understand these words and to believe them. And Father, we'll give you the glory if we're able to do that through Jesus our Lord. Amen. Jesus is about to go away, and where he's going, you cannot go. That's what he told his disciples in chapter 13 and verse 33. He said, my children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. Just as I told the Jews, I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. We're not going to be able to follow him. Now, what's Jesus talking about there? He didn't mean that they couldn't follow him in death. All of them would die eventually. He didn't mean that they couldn't follow him to crucifixion. Andrew, Bartholomew, Peter, Jude, Philip, Simon the Zealot, all of them would die a martyr's death by crucifixion. Jesus isn't talking about death. He's not talking about the cross. So what is he talking about? Well, John's already let us know that back in 
chapter 13 and verses 3 and 4. And it's when they're sitting at the Passover, we're told that Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took out his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist and you know what happened after that. But he knew that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God. And in the incarnation, the Son of God, without ceasing to be God, became a human being. The creator became a creature and now he is the God-man forever. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus lived a sinless earthly life. We might be able to draw that conclusion by reading the Gospels, but the writer to the Hebrews tells us that specifically. And to say that Jesus lived a sinless life is not merely to say that Jesus never did a bad thing, although that is true. To say that Jesus was sinless is to say that he and his humanity never lived or accounted himself as independent from his father. He glorified and enjoyed God for his whole earthly life. And even in the face of the cross, when he was in Gethsemane praying, do you remember what he said? He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Oh, if this cup can pass from me, Let it, but not my will. Your will be done. Jesus fulfilled the purpose for which he became a creature. And so he's going now to God to attain the destiny for which he came into the world. The cross isn't his destiny. It's just a means to his destiny. The writer to the Hebrews tells us in chapter 12 that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus is returning to his Father, to heaven, not Disney World, to heaven. He's returning to his father to share again in the glory that he had with his father before the world existed. Having having attained the height of what it means to be a human being made in the image of God, to fulfill what it means to be a human being made in the image of God. Jesus said he's returning to the father and where he's going, you cannot follow. That's what he told his disciples. It's the truth of it for his disciples. It's the truth of it for me. It's the truth of it for every one of you. You can't go to heaven. You don't know how to get there. Years ago, I remember mentioning that and saying, you think you do? Well, go ahead then, go. We'll wait. See, the truth is that your sin, what your bad acts, maybe, But even for those of you who are model citizens and model church members, 
you live at least parts of your life, at least parts of the time, without giving thought to God, independent from God, sometimes determining deep in your heart of hearts to go your own way, do your own thing. And it's that sin that separated us from God. We, we can't go to heaven in all that heaven truly is, what it truly means. We can't go, but Jesus can bring us. And that's what he says here. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He said, what would their hearts be troubled about? We tend to think that, well, they'd be troubled about his impending death, the crucifixion that's coming Um, But friends, I want to remind you that we think that because we know what comes next, because we've read the story, the disciples didn't know. Time after time, we're told in the Gospels that when when Jesus spoke about uh, his death, his crucifixion, that it went over their heads, or their eyes glazed over. Or if they did understand it, they rebuked him, Lord, that will never happen to you. Judas, you remember, was filled with remorse when he found out that Jesus was actually condemned. Whatever he thought was going to happen, he didn't think that was going to happen. No one expected him to die. So why are their hearts troubled? They're troubled because he's told them that he's leaving them. They're troubled because he's told them that where I'm going, you can't follow. We can't follow. But he can bring us. And that's exactly what he says he'll do. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I'm going to prepare a place for you, he said. And in my father's house, there are many rooms. That's what most of our newer translations say. There are many rooms. The the King James says, In my father's house, there are many mansions. Terrible translation. Now, I've got to tell you that I've had people say to me, somebody said to me one time, I like the King James much better. The other translations make me feel like I was kind of downgraded. I was going to get a mansion. Now I just got this room. But the the Greek word here that's used means rooms. It doesn't mean mansions. And if that's a disappointment, it may reveal something about our hearts and our misplaced hopes. If if your hope of heaven is a place where you'll go to have a great time and essentially be left alone, a big mansion is a great place for you to be. Because a mansion is a place where you can be alone, independent, and autonomous. In C.S. Lewis's book, The Great Divorce, C.S. Lewis pictures that condition of people with lots of space and lots of rooms and big dwellings. But Lewis pictures that as a 
as an indication of hell, not of heaven. And a mansion would be a poor picture of what heaven is all about because heaven is about God. It's about being restored to fellowship with God. It's about reaching the pinnacle of what we were created for. It's coming to the fullness of what it means for us to be made in the image of God. It is knowing God intimately as our Father. This week, I'd mentioned it before, this week, my brother and his wife are coming in for a visit. They can only come for one night. They can only stay for one night. And, you know, if you uh, go online and you look around, around here, around this area, right, um, there are some pretty swanky bed and breakfasts around here. Like, like mansion-esque bed and breakfasts. And I could probably, you know, cobble together the money for one night to put my brother up in one of those. And if I did, he'd be disappointed. Probably even hurt. Because the point of his coming is to see me. So he's expecting to stay in a room in my house. Not a mansion where he can be independent and free and have his own space. Thank God that in the Father's house there are many rooms and not many mansions. The first thing that Jesus began to preach when he started his ministry was repent for the kingdom of God is here. And and if you think that repent means stop doing bad things and start doing good things, as though Jesus came merely to bring us a message of moral reform, you're barely scratching the surface. The problem is our sin. Do you understand? Not this bad act or that bad act. But this this deep-seated desire that we have for independence, for autonomy, for self-assertion, from which our bad acts and many of our good acts spring. Do you want heaven? Heaven isn't your own mansion where you can finally be left alone. It's not celestial Disney World where all your needs are met and you have no cares, although your needs would be met and you would have no cares. But heaven is not about you. And and no one's going to heaven as it really is without wanting it. Heaven is about God. It's about being in his presence. It's about knowing him as the Lord and giver of life and the source of all that is good. Heaven is wanting and receiving the giver and not merely his gifts. It's about being reconciled to God and resting our restless hearts in his presence. It's about rejoicing in and relishing our dependence upon God. That's what Jesus was summing up when he asked his disciples, do you believe in God? 
You want heaven? You want God? You want to be fulfilled in what you were created for? Then Jesus said, then believe also in me. We can't go, but Jesus can take us. The truth is, you don't need to know the way. You just need to know the way. And you know, as Jesus is talking about this, Thomas said to him, understandably, he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. I mean, you just told us you're going away, that we can't follow you. Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. You don't need to know the way. Even if you did, it would do you no good. You can't go. You only need to know the way. A four-year-old boy once told his big sister, I'm going to grandma's house. And his big sister scoffed at him. She said, oh, you're going to grandma's house, do you? She said, you don't even know the way. He said, yes, I do. She said, oh, yeah, show me. And with that, the little boy walked out of the house, walked down the end of the driveway, and got in the back seat of his parents' car. Because for him, that was the way to grandma's house and, uh, and the way to a good many other places, too. He didn't need to know how to get to grandma's house, what route to take, what the speed limits were, where to turn here or go there. He just needed to know how to get to his parents' car. If he got there, his parents could take him. I don't know the way to heaven, but I know the way. Jesus said, I am the way. Do you want heaven? As it really is, not as it's portrayed, not a celestial Disney world with your own mansions. Do you believe in God? Then believe also in Jesus. He is the way to the Father. We can't go, but he can take us. He died, Peter tells us, the righteous one for the unrighteous ones to bring us to God. I will come back and I will take you to be with me that where I am, you may be also. Do you know the way? You can. Today. Not someday or next week or tomorrow. You can know today. Pray and call upon Jesus. He'll hear you. Tell him that you want to repent of your sins. Not this bad action or that bad action, but the disposition of a heart that says, I'm independent. I do my own thing. I don't need God. Tell him that you want to be forgiven. That you want to be restored. That you want what humankind was created for. Tell him that you want heaven. Not Disney World in the sky. 
but intimate fellowship with God, with dependence on Him, with trust in Him, with a life that's given to Him. If you want to know the way, it's simply this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Saved from your sins, from your separation from God now and forever. I want to tell you that if you do that today, you might not feel anything different, at least not at first. But the promise of God's word is certain. Apostle John, who wrote this gospel, wrote in his first letter, You're talking about these things. He said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you hear that? That if you believe in the name of the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. Not hope, guess, think, pray, wonder. You may know that you have eternal life. Eternal life with God who is a source of all life and all good and all blessing. You want heaven? You can't go. But Jesus can take you. He's the way. And he's the only way to the Father. Have you trusted him? Let's pray. Father, send your Holy Spirit and move in our hearts to desire you. Uh, Father, to despair of our independence, of our freedom from you, of our autonomy. And Father, give us hearts that cry out for intimacy with you now. And, and Father, to a, a greater extent in the coming age, to the, to the height of that extent. And, and Father, as, as, as we experience that longing, surely we must know that, that we can't go. Our sins have separated us from you. But Jesus can take us. He died once for all, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God. So, Father, help us. Help everyone here, I pray, to trust in him. And, and Father, we'll give you the praise for what you do in us, what you do to us, what you do for us as, as we're privileged to glorify you now and for eternity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm.